0: I'm David, pastor here at Current. Uh, today, if you, have, if you have your Bibles, go ahead and open to First uh, Peter chapter three. We'll be looking at that uh, shortly here. Um, today, the topic is how Christians, very practically speaking, can share their faith. How Christians can share. The gospel. Now, I know as immediately when I say that, uh, there, there are undoubtedly an, uh, a lot of uh, emotions that kind of start to bubble up, some, some thoughts and feelings uh, that I want to address. Um, and so, if you, for instance, don't identify as Christian and you're here today and you're wondering, boy, did I, did I pick the right day to come? They're going to be talking about sharing their faith. Uh, yes, you did. You picked a great day to come for, for a couple of reasons. One, I hope that you get to hear today what Christianity is about at its absolute core, um, what it, it means to be Christian at the very the very essence, the very core of it all. Because it's been my humble uh, experience that with my friends who don't identify as Christian, they, they often miss, uh, they don't understand what it's abso- what it's absolutely about at it, at its core. So I hope you hear that. But then number two, I hope you also get to hear what it means to actually for for Christians to share their faith in a way that's not so you know, how Christians often get the rap of doing that. Does that make sense? Um, Because even as a Christian, by the way, myself, I've experienced, you know, evangelism, being evangelized in ways that have felt uncomfortable. Wait, as a Christian? Yeah. I remember when I was an undergrad at UC Berkeley. uh, That's apparently a place where you're going to be evangelized, among many other things. and uh, I remember I was just walking around uh, Sproul Plaza, which is really kind of like the main area of, you know, protest, anti-protest, all that sort of thing. So if you're going to be evangelized, you might as well be evangelized in that area. And there's groups out there just kind of doing that that thing, Christian groups. And they came up to me, and they're like, you know, we need, we need to talk to you. I was like, okay. Um, and they started going launching into it. And I didn't even get the chance to say, dude, we're on the same team. Like, uh, I, I believe, I, you know, hey, I believe. Like, it's just, hey, you need to hear something, and, you know, uh, and, and so on and so forth. And at the end of it, I was like... Yeah, I'm, I'm Christian, guys. Oh, oh, okay. Um, and so I, I've been on the receiving end of understanding, you know, uh, kind of how that can be. Uh, so hopefully today as we talk about it, you can understand, okay, what's it, what's it supposed to look like uh, truly? And then and then, if you identify as Christian, uh, this is a great day for, for you as well um, because I believe, uh, and I've, I've felt this way myself, you might be thinking and feeling right now, oh my goodness, Oh, no, not this scary, intimidating topic. Or, oh, no, pastor, please don't make me feel, feel guilty about sharing the faith and, and so on. Uh, if I were in your shoes, that's how I've felt. Uh, if I were in your seat, excuse me. Uh, but, to, but to you, I'd say, oh, lean in. Because we are doing this series called The Ripple Effect, right? This, how God can and wants to do disproportionately great things, have great impact through you and me in, in our smallest of choices, in our smallest of actions, including sharing the faith. And so I want to consider that with you today. Um, You know, it it seems to me one of the reasons why, uh, for so many Christians, uh, this idea of sharing the faith can be such an intimidating thing is because of the way in which it is often communicated. So I've often heard, hey, you know, Christians, here's how you share your faith. And uh, for me, I've often been really intimidated uh, in the way it's been communicated. For instance, in the examples that are used. So often it'll be like, okay, here's an example of what it can look like for you to share your faith. Uh, I was on a plane flight home the other day. I sat down on, in the middle section, and before we got up, the Christian communicator will say, before we were even cruising altitude, they were converted to Christianity, and I was already working on the other before drinks came. You know, it's, it's kind of like that idea. And I don't want to knock that, because that's, that's good. And if, by the way, that's your gift, that's great. Actually, the Bible talks about that. That's called the gift of evangelism. Did you know there's there's something in the Bible called the gift of evangelism? It's the gift of being able to just go into it cold turkey and just have a conversation that just they're not throwing things at you and you know you just it's just it's just a conversation that's built you know. But that's not the only way we share our faith. In fact, it's one of the very few ways Christians are to share their faith um, by way of setting a framework. And we'll ultimately get into this in the text. There's one Christian author who has talked about. Uh, how there are, in his opinion, six styles of sharing the faith. So six styles. So style number one is the confrontational type of sharing the faith. I don't love that word because that seems that's kind of a loaded negative term. His, it's his term, so I'm going to go with it. But that's kind of the, the commando style, you know, cold turkey, sit down in an airplane we just talked about and just goes for it, right? Um, nothing wrong with that. That's, that's a good thing. Uh, uh, we need folks to, to be able to do that. Um, that's kind of, if, if you know your Bible, that's the, uh, boy, where is that? Um, oh, I'm blinking. Uh, Acts 9 or so part of where the Philippian, uh, the, the, the Apostle Philip goes up to this guy riding a chariot and just goes into the gospel. Um, you know, it just kind of goes for it. That's, that's in the Bible, you know, the confrontational style. But there's also, for, for instance, the in, inventational. Uh, This idea of inviting people, this uh, style of of evangelism, of sharing our faith. That's when Andrew, for instance, after he started following Jesus, he went back to his brother, by the way, Peter, who became become a big part of the church. You know, kind of a big deal guy. He went up to Peter and said, hey, come and see the Christ. Come and see the Christ we've found. Uh, so there's the invitational style. There's the testimonial style. We see all over the scriptures. This is the idea of sharing what God has done in your life if you are a follower of Jesus. So even though a believer might, may not have all the you know, right theological answers at the right time, they can attest to God's grace in their life. So the testimonial style. Then there's the relational style of sharing your faith. Uh, this is sharing the faith in the context of relationships, of course, with in friendships, f- with family members, co-workers. This idea of over time, a Christian life bearing witness to Christ, and how that affords opportunities to share the faith. Number five, there's there's the intellectual style. Uh, this is like. Acts 17 or so, when the Apostle Paul rolls up into Athens and starts saying, hey, you, you guys believe in a God uh, of, that says to the unknown God, well, I tell you, this God is, is, is the living God, and it, it, and he just goes at it from an intellectual standpoint. If you want to read up on that story, it's, it's pretty interesting later. That's Acts 17. But it's this idea of, of appealing to the intellectual basis of Christianity. And then number six, uh, there's this style of, of, of service serving can be an effective gateway for sharing the gospel the gospel lived out in service opens doors or can for christians to share the reason why they serve now here's the reason why i go into that other than it's it's in our text actually is th- is that i, I really want to convey this idea that it, there's not just one style of sharing the faith it's not the just cold turkey, commando style, like just go up and just, you know, on the street corner and go for it, but there's many different ways. In fact, there's so many different ways that we can actually, each and all of us, if we so choose, step into them now, even this week. And as we think about, by the way, Easter approaching, where we've talked about as we started our series last week and we continue it today, you know, there's just this time in the, in the calendar year in our culture that people just tend to be a little bit more open spiritually to Christianity. Easter's the time. And we're going to throw a big party, and we're going to try to. And so, if we can, if we can all uh, do our best to prepare individually and as a church uh, for for this opportunity that God puts before us, we want to do so. Um, so, here's the text. We're going to be looking at First Peter chapter three, just one verse. There's so much here as we'll as we'll see. Um, but what we're going to be seeing here is what does sharing the gospel look like, and how can you and I do it? Um, let me read the text, and then and then we'll jump in. Uh, so. Uh, Peter says to this early church, "Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have, but do this with gentleness and respect." Uh, the first component to sharing our faith, Peter's going to give us three here, as I see it, is number one: we see that there, we see their story. Okay, often when I've heard this text used. Uh, from from Christian leadership perspective, or just communicating, hey, sharing the gospel, it's often immediately jumped to, here's what you can do, Christian, in terms of sharing the faith. Here's what you can do. Now, that's here in the text. We'll get to that. But notice first that Peter's describing a context where people were asking Christians about their faith. You see that? Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks. In other words, the early church were being asked about spiritual things. They were being asked about their faith, and they had the occasion to answer. Um, I think the first thing for us to kind of glean from here, as we kind of understand what, what Peter is showing us, um, is that Christians need to have and develop genuine friendships with people who don't identify as Christian. I mean, that might sound like duh, that's where it starts. I was talking to someone recently. They came up to me. Pastor, pastor, um, no, nobody here. I, I, You know, I have all these people at work asking me these questions about the Christian faith. Please help me. And she was really distressed because she was saying, oh man, I don't know how to answer these questions. I don't want to say something wrong. And she just, you know, she just really worked up. She's like, please, can you, can you help me? And, you know, what I, what I said to her in that moment was like, I said, hey, you know, I, man, yeah, I'd love to help you. I'd love to address, you know, the questions that you're asking. But first, can we just pull the lens back and say, Man, it's awesome that people are asking you these questions. She's stressed out about it. I was like, that's amazing that people are asking you these questions. Because it's my humble experience that for us as Christians, it, 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 it's very easy to just kind of cloister ourselves off and only hang out with other Christians. This might sound funny. It's really easy for me to do as a pastor. In fact, in some respects, it's actually more easy for me to do it. Don't get me wrong. I love hanging out with you. I love hanging out You know, um, for those of you guys who are here as Christian, but even those of you guys who are here who don't identify as Christian, I love hanging out with you. But if I'm just hanging out with people who are open to coming to church, I'm not doing what Peter's talking about. We need to, this is not a monastic faith. We're not supposed to just kind of go off to the side and just have our little small groups and never, no, no. And sometimes it's interesting. we We could be working, we could be there in the workplace, and we have a friendship, kind of, sort of, with the person sitting next to us, but not really. Like they're more of an acquaintance, right? The Facebook tag is acquaintance, not friend. Like we don't know about their life such that they'd actually be even asking us questions, right? Um, Peter is saying, always be prepared to, get to, to answer everyone, which means, Christians, we gotta be intentionally, deliberately spending time in developing friendships with those who don't know Jesus. Um, you know what one of my humble observations has been? People ask questions. We all ask questions. I ask questions. We all ask questions. It's been my experience that my my atheist friends almost ask more questions about God than my religious friends. I don't know if that's been your experience or if that's who you are. I, I have found that atheist friends of mine are actually asking a lot of spiritual questions. Are you in a place where you're there to answer the questions? And by the way, not as some conversion project, right? Where does this all start? This starts as a friendship. Actual friendship, which means they're not a project. It means hearing their story, their story, asking about them, getting to know them. Cindy loves to say, and I think it's so helpful, knowing the color of their sofa. What what an insightful thought. What they like to eat. You know, moving from acquaintance to friendship that we'd actually ask and be in each other's lives. It starts with their story. One of my favorite questions, if you want to kind of add this into your um, repertoire of asking people questions, uh, one of my favorite questions is to ask, do you have spiritual beliefs? I love asking that question. I I think I've asked it already today. I ask it every week on Sunday, any number of times throughout the week. I love asking that question because it's just an open-ended way of hearing where people are at. It's not an offensive like, so are you, X, Y, Z. It's just, hey, tell me your story. How are you processing things? And we get to hear where they're coming from and just kind of engage and, you know, maybe share, maybe not. But it starts with their story, such that people would even ask. You know, Peter was talking to a group of Christians that were living such radically different, like, radical lives that people couldn't help but ask. So, for instance, like, what kind of, how might these questions come out, say, in the workplace? You know, so-and-so, like, why... Why is it we just came out of that executive meeting? Why is it that you were you were pushing credit to others so much, like you're so humbly, when you were the impetus behind that project? Like, why are you not as concerned about being a big shot like like most others? And you're you're just caring about the team. Why why do you why do you, why do you choose to serve others the way you do? Why are you spending your time helping the needy? Why do you go to Why do you go to church? I used to do that when I was a kid. I just why do you. Do you hear that these are things that just kind of are already, are, are, are spiritual conversations that we could, in friendship, have the honor of stepping into and, 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 and engaging? A um, list can go on and on, but we have to be in people's lives, Christian friends. It starts with their story, which is such the gospel, and we'll get to the gospel here in a second. The gospel's other-focused. We can so quickly think it's about us. Let's quickly get to us. We're getting there, guys but it starts with the other. The gospel's always the other. Hearing, listening to their story, learning, growing together, serving, caring, loving. Uh, So it starts with their story, and then yes, it is your story, my story, our story. Peter says, always be prepared to give an answer. You know, I, I humbly believe this is one of the most misinterpreted verses in the Bible in Christian circles. So when I say that, like being misinterpreted, there's a lot of politicians or whatever claiming verses and Man, it goes in bad directions or taking things out of context. I don't mean it in that sense, but within Christian circles, this verse will often be pointed to, okay, here's what Peter is saying. You need to get really good at defending the faith. You need to understand all of the big questions that everybody's going to come and ask in a given culture, and you need to be able to answer those. Specifically, that's that's, that's called apologetics, which is really the defense of the faith. Okay, And actually, to be fair, Peter's using that word. So in our English translation, at least the one that I've been reading from, it says, always be prepared to give an answer. That word in Greek that we're translating answer is actually the word apologia, okay? Which could mean defense, and in other cases it means defense. Here it could even mean defense. But I don't think Peter was saying, okay, church family, here's what you need to do. You need to take a seminar, you need to read a book, so you can answer everybody's really big, theologically deep questions. You know, how could a good God allow pain and suffering in the world? How and does science uh, reconcile with the faith? Is it compatible? And so on and so forth. Now, I've already mentioned in the very beginning that intellectual sharing the faith is a style, right? And that's good. And that's right. And by the way, if that's a gift of yours, lean into that. That's good. But I don't think Peter was saying, hey, sign up for a course and make sure you get that. Why? Well, he goes on to explain what he means. Always be prepared to give an answer to everyone or defense to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. What's that? Is that some you know big theological question that you can answer? No, that's the gospel. Can you give a reason for why you believe in Jesus? Can you describe how you came, Christian friends, to put your faith in Jesus and why you believe in him today? Can you share your story? Can you articulate it? Um, that's what Peter's talking about. As some of you have heard my story. My story, just the bullet version, because I'm not going to go into all of it, um, is I grew up in a family uh, that were strong Christians, you know, took the faith very seriously. I was raised, taught about Jesus from a young age, both from my parents and in the church. And the more I learned about Jesus, the more I accepted and, and, and believed and just it became more of who I was and, and who I am today. And, you know, when I got to be in high school, it's not like, I, I don't feel like I was just, you know, borrowing the faith from my parents. It had become my own. And yet, when I got into uh, UC Berkeley, and people started to say to me, you just believe because you were raised that way. At first, I said, well, you know, I, I don't think that's true. I think I really believe this is my own. But people kept saying, as they're to do in Berkeley, you know, you just believe because you, you were raised that way. And finally, I said, you know what, maybe they're right. Maybe I have to give this some thought. Maybe I have to like, kind of wrestle with this. So I went on a spiritual journey of sorts. It's not that cool. I just like to make it sound cool. Uh, just, I just started to wrestle with this. Okay, like what, well, what do I believe? Why do I believe what I believe? So for a period of about six months, I didn't leave the Christian faith. I didn't leave going to church. I didn't leave praying and, and all that sort of thing. But I started to just look into different things, different life philosophies, different religions. I just tried to understand like what, what do I believe? Why do I believe? And at the end of this six-month spiritual journey, Quest of mine. I, I was on a walk one day. I remember where I, was, where I was even. I was walking around, and I remember I had basically, in this time, come to essentially two core uh, conclusions. One, that there must be a God. I was just at the place where it's like, there has to be a God. Intellectually speaking, it's my, my, my faith that it's easier to believe that there's a God than there's not. That, creation, that something came from something is, is kind of where I came from. And that's nothing to say about the preciousness and harmony of life and thinking about all of that, and I could talk more about that. But I, that, that's just my personal, that's a conviction that I had come to, I, I have at my core. And then number two, I really resonate with this thought that the Bible calls sin. Different religions have different concepts for it, but to use a biblical term, this idea of sin, that we're not the way we're supposed to be, that I'm not the way I'm supposed to be. In fact, when I read Romans 7, where the Apostle Paul, this amazing guy who just loved and cared for others just 24-7, when he said, the things I know I should be doing, I'm not doing, and the things I know I shouldn't be doing, those are the things I'm doing. Boy, that pegs me in the heart. I even did an experiment at, this, at that time, like to try to stop doing certain things. I can't, man, I can't do it. And the things that I could stop doing, I just changed the weird thing I was doing there to do something weird. Over it. It, it's, it's, that's like a core conviction of myself uh, that there's this sin. And so I remember I was on this walk, and I just. I just, I, I remembered a story about Jesus. It's not like I had read it earlier that day, but I just was contemplating the story. It just came to my mind. The story of after Jesus had healed the 5,000, and the 5,000 came back to him and said, Jesus, we want you to do another trick. We want to see another miracle. And Jesus was not all about that. He didn't want to be a miracle performer, a trick, you know, a magician. He just said, I'm sorry, I'm, no, that's not that's not how it's going to go. And so everybody started to leave him. Well, everybody was leaving, including, it says by the way, some of his followers. So he turns to the 12 disciples, the main dudes, right? And he says, what about you guys? And this very intimate of vulnerable of questions. he says, what about you guys? Are you guys going to leave me too? And Peter said the words, to whom else will we go? You alone have the words of eternal life. And when I was reflecting, I was like, that's why I'm Christian. To whom else will I go? I already know I don't have it in me to do what any of the things say to get myself better before God, which I believe is there. I can't do it. Even as I know the things I have to do, I got got that much. I can't do it, and so I need help, and oh my goodness, that's the gospel. That's what Jesus came to do, to do the very thing I can't do for myself. He lived the life I can't live, couldn't live, and died the death that I deserve. That's why I believe. That's my story. um, Can you articulate yours? Now, it doesn't have to be, you know, some spiritual quest of a story. That's why, actually, if anything, I'm nervous about sharing my story because I don't want to say, hey, this is what your story needs to sound like. Nor does your story need to be like, you know, man, I got into drugs, I went into jail, and I found Jesus. The cell, do- the cell doors opened, and I walked out, and I was, you know, you know what I'm saying? Like, I mean, there's just stories out there, and they're amazing. You know, one of my pet peeves, and I'm just going to say this because I'm not talking to any of you personally. I don't know names coming to my mind. I can, I can be a little bit more provocative from the stage because we're having a one-on-one. One of the things that really gets me is sometimes Christians will say, oh, my story, which traditionally is known as a testimony, by the way, bearing testimony to God. One of the, one of the things that will just get me going is someone says to me, if you say this, I'll be loving towards you. But they'll say, oh, my testimony, my story so boring. I'm always like, no, 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 it's not boring. It's not boring, first of all, because if you believe in Jesus, the the spoiler at the end of that is you've moved from death to eternal life. If that's a boring story, I don't know what's an interesting story, okay? So that's one thought. But number two, it's not ultimately your story. Number three, uh, Peter shows us God's story. You know, we're looking at their story just packed in this little verse, right? The reason for the hope that you have, where's the hope? Hope comes from outside, God's story. We've been seeing their story, your story, God's story. Can I humbly just say, of those three, the more important two are their story and God's story. These are kind of like open parentheses around our story, you know. Uh, even as, by the way, Peter started this whole thing by saying, "Always be prepared." That's important. Don't don't hear me say it. it's not important. fact, it's, it's it's really important. In fact, I want to give you homework. I've never done this before at current. I'm pretty excited about this. You have homework, church family, if you will. So do it. Um, if. For those of you who are attending uh, current groups, if you're not in a current group, your homework is, hey, next season, get in a current group. Um, if, if you attend a current group, and actually, even if you don't, please do this, and you can find ways to, to work on this. But b- before current group this week, I'd encourage you to write out and be prepared to share your story, how you came to put your faith in Jesus and why you believe in Jesus. Um, your testimony, your story. And we're going to do it in a loving way. And if you don't identify as a follower of Jesus, we'd love to hear your story. Come sharing what, where you are on your spiritual journey. And you know what? The group would probably be interested in hearing why, what interests you about the Christian faith. Let's, let's come prepared to share your story, wherever you're at. And I would just add two little notes to that. Let's adhere by the five B's of sharing. Have you heard of this? Be, be brief, baby. Be brief. Let's try to keep the sharing to three minutes. if you've been in small groups long enough, you know what I'm talking about. Three minutes people, three minutes no cape uh, incredibles three minutes be brief, baby be brief uh, three minutes and then but not just for the sake of like helping our time but being concise right thinking about it and just 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 working it out um, so that that's one and then number two for for my Christian friends, uh, use accessible language try to use try to. Just share your story, how you came to put your faith in Jesus, why you believe in Jesus, in language that somebody who is not religious can understand. In other words, not, and God justified me, and now I'm in the process of sanctification. As I, I, been, you, know, you, you get what I'm saying, right? Um, accessible language, which, by the way, is a value of, a, of ours as a church, just to be accessible. Why? Because Jesus wasn't talking to, hey, Christians over here, and, and you, know, you heathens over here. Like, there's some times he said to the disciples, he said this, but most of the time he's just talking to people. Because the gospel bears down on us wherever we're at, whether we believe in him or not. Um, uh, so that's what I'd say. You see, you have homework, church family. Um, and I hope that would be fun. I hope that would be encouraging to each other uh, as we share, we share our stories. Okay, so, so uh, their story, your story, and finally, God's story. Always be ready to give a reason for the hope that we have. Uh, here, this is the day for first. I'm giving homework, and now I'm doing an easel thing. Um, this is really exciting. One of these days, I think we're hoping to have video, so I apologize to you guys uh, online here listening. Um, You're just going to have to follow along. uh, Listening to the scratch of my pen, I guess. I'll try to describe what I'm doing. Um, So there's many ways we could share God's story, the hope for the gospel. How would you articulate the gospel? How would you share the gospel at its core? What is it about? How would you go about doing that? Um, There's many ways you could do that, and if you've got one that that works for you, great. Here's one way is to look at one verse that really summarizes, in many senses, the entirety of the Bible. Romans 6, verse 23, starts by saying, the wages of sin is death. Now, normally, I'd, I'd write this up on here, but this is a small board, so I'm gonna, look on the board, okay? Uh, the, the goal that I have with this, by the way, is something you can write on the back of an envelope or on a, on a little napkin if you want. Um, I'd write, you know, I, I'd go ahead and write, the wages of sin is death. Well, okay, what does that mean? Death, that's kind of an interesting word. In the Bible, when it's talking about death, it's almost always talking about this, this idea of separation. So, for instance, when we go into a funeral and there's, a, a, you know, a, a body in the, in the casket, uh, we understand that they're not just asleep, right? Because there's been a separation from their body and their, and their personality. There's separation. So that's what it's talking about with death. And then it says the wages, that is the result of sin, is death. Sin is actually a really easy word to understand. You just look at that, that middle letter there, uh, the word I, as the Bible sees it, it's the word, it's, it's when we, whenever we say, I'm in control of my life. I am the boss. I am, I am the king. If you, if you were here a few weeks ago uh, with uh, Pastor Joel, this is my throne. Okay, I'm just going to start by saying I am not gifted artistically. So, okay, you can make this much better. Um, but it's, it's, it's saying, I am the ruler. I am the one uh, who uh, calls all the shots when God's created us. Um, and so it says the results of sin is a separation, this, this death. So if we were to illustrate this, it's, it's as if there's a chasm, right? There's a chasm of separation between, you know, where we are, again, I'm, I gave the preamble of not being an artist here, and where, where God is. And, and there's a bit of a dilemma. There's a dilemma that we are, we are, we are separated from, from the God who created us, who loves us dearly, who wants to teach us the difference between right and wrong, who wants to, wants to be in partnership with us in our life. Uh, so the question then becomes, well, how, how does somebody who is separated from God because of the sin in our own heart uh, move to live a life that is in partnership with God? You know, a lot of people, what they'll say, and I'm sorry if you can't see over there. Boy, I'm learning here. Um, a lot of people, what they'll say is, okay, here's what we need to do. We need to build a bridge on our own self. Uh, our, uh, in our own ability, okay? We want to just build some some good works. I want to do some good things so that I'll be right with God. Say prayers, go to church, uh, be nice to the, the you know, th- those who are mean to me, and so on and so forth. But as you'll see here in this illustration, at least conceptually what it's trying to say is, does that get us all the way across? Well, no, okay. In fact, as I draw this picture theologically, it's not to scale, uh, because theologically, at least as the Bible talks about it, when we try to build this bridge, we actually don't even get hard, uh, like a sliver. Um, so this is just conveying a concept. Like we don't get any. This, this chasm is essentially infinitely long. Um, and I can just say from my own personal experience, the more I live life, the more I realize that's true of my heart. That I'm just, I just, it's, it's that the Bible says in, in Romans 3, it's deceitfully wicked. Boy, that sounds harsh. Well, when I start to think about that, I am like, yeah, my heart is that way more than I care to admit. And so, okay. Well, then, how do we how do we how how are we how do we bridge this gap? And the rest of the verse goes on to say, the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, if we could put it up there, and you'll see. And it really is a gift; is something to be received. Is eternal life in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Uh, that answers the question of how we, you know, the the, the gap is bridged. You know, if we were to we were to draw this out, the bridge would actually take an interesting, kind of funny-looking shape that I think we'll all recognize. Of course, that's the cross of Jesus. That's that's what Jesus has done for us. That's Him living the life that we couldn't live. And that's, by the way, also in this verse. You see, it says Jesus. Uh, it says Christ Jesus. Jesus is often called Jesus Christ. That's not His last name. You know, it's like Jesus. Uh, you know, Joseph and Mary. Christ had Jesus Christ, yeah. That's, that's the role. That's the role he played. That's why people called him that. He's the Messiah, which is the Hebrew word for the Greek Christ. He's the one who came to, to pay the payment that we deserve, to, 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 to pay the payment of eternal separation that we deserve. You know, it's kind of like this idea, if you're ever disciplined when you were younger, as I was many times, um, and you know, you know, my, my parents have this form of punishment or that form. It would be as if, you know, a friend or someone came over and said, you know what, uh, Mr. Collister, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to take that for David. <laughs> I'm just going to go ahead and take that. That would have been awesome, by the way. Um, but even that illustration misses it infinitely because how much greater this chasm and what the, the reality of this means to be brought back into right relationship, a new relationship with God. And that's what Jesus has done for us by living the life that we ought to live but can't in dying the death that we deserve such that we can be in a new relationship with him. And what happens if we receive that, if we, if we accept that in our hearts, is another way of saying that, is we, we begin to live in partnership with him. Now, uh, partnership uh, really begins to look like this. Because if, if there's a partnership in this relationship, who's the senior partner, right? I'd say God's the senior partner. We begin to say, you know what, God, I'm not, I'm not living the life that I ought to live, and I, I want to live the life you've called me to. Now, when we put him as ruler in our lives, uh, you when know, I've shared this with, with people before, uh, often people will say, man, this is really scary. I'm not sure I, I'm good enough to walk across this bridge. I'm not, sure I, I'm not sure I'm good enough. But you know what? Accepting Jesus into your heart and living in partnership with God is not saying that you'll now become a perfect person. Let me be the first to tell you that doesn't, that's not how it works. In fact, that's the point. That's why Jesus died. And so when you cross over here, it's not to say you're going to never do anything wrong or you're not going to be bad or you're not going to miss the mark from time to time. You're going to. But it's saying, you know, in this new relationship, God, I, I, I want to follow you as best I can. And I need your help in that. Which, by the way, means when you mess up what you're going to do, you say, God, I messed up and I need your help. I'm, I'm living on my own throne again. I need your help. So how do we summarize this? How do we summarize Romans 6.23? Something you can do on your little napkin. It's, it starts with understanding, realizing that we are separate, separated from God, and it's receiving what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Dying for the sins, paying the payment that we, that we deserve, and then it's living into this new life of a new relationship of God as Lord of our lives because of what he's done for us. Um, that's the gospel. And if you share this, friends, Christian friends, if I can just say this, if you share this, which I pray and hope you get to or some version of it, please also at the end ask the question, so is this something you want? Is this something you've walked across? Have you walked across this bridge? Or is this something you're still working on, thinking about? And the reason I say that is because often I think, Christians, we, you can get to the place where you share all of this, but then you don't give an invitation. But you've got to give an invitation because it's the good news of eternal life of Jesus. Not in a jam it down their throat, make them feel pressure question, but an invitation, hey, do you want this? Um, Look at how uh, Peter kind of ends this whole thought. He he says, always be prepared to give an answer uh, and give the the reason for the hope that you have. And he says, concluding this, um, and do this with gentleness and respect. I love that thought. Uh, if you're experiencing it from a Christian who's evangelizing you without gentleness and respect, you can, you can call them out on that. Hold on. If you're like me and you're being evangelized as a Christian, you can do it. Be loving and say, hold on, but come on, guys, you know, and all that. But, but the, the point here is Peter's saying that's not the gospel. The gospel is God, for each and every person, starting with Christians, came and just offered himself freely. He has no interest of jamming it down your throat. In fact, all he wants to do is just offer it as a gift. He longs, he yearns for you to say that, yes, I do receive what you offer, to receive it as a gift. And so, Christian friends, that's how we ought to share in such a way where we just put it out there. One of my favorite verses that really conveys this thought is in Revelation chapter 3 verse 20, I think. Jesus says, I stand at the door and knock. Whoever opens the door, I will eat with them and they with me. It's just Tap, tap, tap. You know, as I I love to say, it's not with a battering ram. Open up. But we just offer it out. Their story, your story, God's story. God can and wants to have a disproportionately great impact through you and me. And all it takes is the smallest of choices, smallest of actions. Even this week, you know, you don't have to be commando style, you know, with your sharing the faith. You don't have to like, you know, go out here, you know, on El Camino later and, right? Are you in relationships? Are you serving? Are you you in a place where you can invite somebody? I think the answer to that to each of us is yeah. And as we head into Easter, let's be thinking and praying intentionally about how we can each be a part of this. Last week, we talked about the impact of the power of them. This week, we're talking about the power of one. And I just think about, man, if we can just like both those at the same time, each of us, all of us as a Christian family, just kind of rowing together in the same direction. The power of them meets the power of one. This week, man, you got to think that the ripple effect is going to be huge. And if all of this is true, eternal life available in Jesus, if there's something to push towards, this is it. Let's pray, and then we'll, we'll take communion together. Father thank you for sending your son to live among us and to live the life that we ought to have lived and we we just couldn't we didn't have it in us we don't have it in us and the, and then to die the death that we deserve lord we just we just thank you and and we're we're just man we're so grateful that you love us so much that you just say hey this is what i've done for you will you receive it uh, lord would you help us as as a church family Offer that to those around us and in our lives. Not in a conversion project sort of way, not in a jamming it down, Bible-thumping sort of way, but in a loving, invitational, hey, this is, come and see. Or, this is what God has done for me. Lord, would you give us boldness, even heading into Easter? Lord, we, as a church, we say we exist to point people towards, towards Jesus. Lord, would that be the case this week and the next? Would you help us pray towards these things? And the Fathers, we enter into communion now. Lord, would you uh, be here at this time? We lay our sins before you. We miss the mark more often than we care to admit, but we recognize that, and we receive what Jesus has done for us again today. And we celebrate that he's going to return soon. We love you, Father. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.